many years ago, I was helping a church in Bryson City, North Carolina. It is in the far, far, far western reaches of North Carolina, an hour past Asheville. And my first week I was there, someone in the church that I was helping died. And the pastor asked if I would come and help with the burial service. So I, I got in my car and I drove off to the cemetery in sort of this like, remote area of western North Carolina near the Great Smoky Mountains. It was a good old country kind of burial. I didn't really have to do anything except be there to kind of witness and, and, and maybe offer a prayer should the time call for it. And we went through the whole burial service, and there was this old woman we were about to put into the ground. And the, the pallbearers came with her casket, and they held her over the grave, and they started to lower. And the son of the woman said, boys, you better stop right quick. You best not be putting mama in backwards. And so they lifted her up and they rotated 180 degrees and then they lowered her in the ground the correct way. I had no idea what they were talking about. And so I asked the pastor afterwards, I said, what, what's the deal? I mean, she's dead. What difference does it make which way she goes in? He said, well, you don't know, son. Here in Western North Carolina, we know that when Jesus comes, he comes with the sunrise. And we make sure that everyone's facing east. So, they don't see, uh, so Jesus doesn't see their backside when he comes back. So if you drive around western North Carolina and you look at their cemeteries, even if the topography doesn't make sense for it, all of the graves face east. Another thing to think about how we're embodied even after our death, this doesn't often happen, but uh, sometimes sanctuaries don't allow for it. But if there is a casket, um, I was taught in school that if there's a casket for a funeral, it's not supposed to be sideways. It's supposed to face with the person's feet toward the altar and their head toward the back door. So that even in death, they're still facing the altar. The only time you do something different than that is if it's a pastor who's died. Because if it's a pastor who's died, their head is supposed to be toward the altar and their feet are supposed to be toward the door. Because even in death, they're still helping bring people to Jesus. Interesting things about death that we don't often think about, we don't often talk about. So our scripture readings today, there are two of them. The first comes from Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6, and the second is from Luke 23, 32 through 43. Hear now God's word. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me around all of them. There were very many laying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. The second reading comes from Luke 23. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he really is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals 
who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And all God's people say, Amen. would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The first church that I served after seminary had a preschool, and I made a point of being at the doors to the preschool every morning, welcoming the children and their parents to the building. I did this, one, because it's fun to hang out with kids, and I also did it because I was 25, and I was closer in age to the preschoolers than I was to most of the people who came to church on Sunday. So I would teach chapel time once a week in the sanctuary where I would try to convey a biblical story to a bunch of kids. Many of them had never even heard of the Bible in the first place, and it was absolutely awesome. It was great. It's, it's really, it's pretty awesome getting to teach kids about the Bible because they enter into this strange new world with wonder and delight. They ask all the questions that adults are too afraid to ask, and they rest in the bewildering nature of the story rather than dismissing it away. So over the years that I served that church, I really got to know a lot of these preschoolers and their families, and I would run into them out in the community. There's nothing quite like walking down the aisle of a grocery store and then hearing a four-year-old scream, Pastor Taylor, what are you doing here? As if, like a teacher, I'm only ever allowed to stay in the church building or in the schoolhouse. <laughs> anyway, one morning, I was standing by the doors to the preschool. I remember that it was raining, and one of the moms approached me with her daughter, and I could see that she had mascara streaming down her face. And her daughter behind her was completely oblivious. So the mom got to the door, and she asked if I had a moment to talk. So we sent her daughter down the hall to her room, and she and I, the mother and I, retreated into the reading room, the yellow room, and she said, my husband died yesterday. I don't know how to tell our daughter. Can you tell her? My husband died yesterday. I don't know how to tell our daughter. Can you do it? Death is the one thing that is guaranteed for each of us. And yet it also happens to be the one thing we're all hell-bent on denying every chance we get. It's why that um, every ad we come across online or every uh, commercial we watch on TV, they're designed at selling us the idea of a future that goes on forever. If you take this pill, you'll lose the weight that you never really meant to gain in the first place. If you wear these clothes, you'll, you'll feel just like you did in high school. Who wants to feel like they did in high school? <laughs> Go to this vacation destination. You can look like these models who are enjoying their time on the beach. But the heart of the matter is this. The bell will toll for us all. We know not when. We only know that it will. Some of us get to live good, long lives some of us don't. Some of us get to make it to the end of our days with no regrets, and some of us won't. But when we're dead, we're dead. 
which is why the language around death is so important. Whether you're talking to a preschooler or not, we say things like, so-and-so passed away. What does that mean? Where did they pass to? Are they coming back? We say things like, God just wanted another angel in heaven. If you say that, you've made God into a monster and the author of all discord on the planet. So when that mother retreated to her car, I walked into the church sanctuary for a while and I prayed for what I was about to do. And then I went back to the preschool. I waited until the kids were out on the playground and asked for the little girl to come over for a moment. And I said, so your mom and I, we talked this morning and my dad died. She interrupted me. I said, yeah, but your mom told me that you didn't know. She said, oh, he was sick. He told me he was going to die. And so now he's dead. I said, well, how are you, how are you feeling? Are you, are you okay? She said, I'm sad, I think. But it's okay. Daddy told me that when he died, he was going to be with Jesus. The guy you talk about all the time, Pastor Taylor. So I'm sad, but I think it's okay. Christian truths are delivered in Scripture all the time, but when they're delivered, they're delivered through images and stories. Most of us, however, we're literalists. We want clarity above all else, but that doesn't stop us from consuming all sorts of media that is designed to keep us guessing, all these cliffhangers at the end of every Netflix episode, so we have to watch the next episode. And for as much as we might be addicted to certainty, the world, and for that matter, the kingdom of heaven, they run on mystery. What happens in the end? The strange new world of the Bible has all sorts of answers about life after death, some of which we'll explore in just a moment. But let me tell you this. That little girl from the preschool, she proclaimed the one thing that we can say with certainty about death. When we die, we're with Jesus. When we die, we are with Jesus. Everything else we say is a mystery. And yet, if we're asked what heaven is like, like some of those people were in the video, we'll conjure up in our minds all sorts of images that frankly come more from Hallmark than they come from Scripture. I mean, John Prine singing about having a cocktail, a vodka and ginger ale, and a cigarette that's nine miles long. Let me tell you, that ain't in the strange new world of the Bible. St. Peter hanging out by the pearly gates. Discerning who gets in and not. I mean, that's in every good joke I think I've ever heard. But it's not in the Bible. Gobs of folks dressed in white robes hanging out on puffy clouds. That might show up in movies and in television shows, even books we like. But it's not in the scriptural witness. Among the very many images for the kingdom of heaven in scripture, perhaps the most predominant is that heaven will be like a never-ending worship service. Which to some people sounds more like hell than it does like heaven. So other than being with Jesus at the end, what else can we say about it? Well, what's at stake in the two scriptures that I read today is that the resurrection of the dead is precisely that. It is the bodily resurrection, the reconstitution of our bodies after our deaths. And that our experience of it will be immediate. Hence, Jesus' words to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Our bodies are good gifts given to us. They're not just vessels for our souls during our earthly life. Now, this proclamation about 
the, the bodily resurrection, it's important for how we experience our bodies here and now. Christianity isn't a spiritual faith, it's an embodied one. It's why we baptize with water. It's why we eat bread and we share from one cup. And when scripture talks about the new heaven and the new earth, they're not replacements for the old ones. It's not like we're on Star Trek and when we die we get beamed from one place to another. The strange new world of the Bible says that in the eschaton, God transfigures what we have and what we are. The redeemed order is not the created order forsaken. God doesn't look at us and all that we've done and say, eh, it wasn't good enough. God takes the created order, all of it, including us, and raises it in glory. And for us, in our deaths, we go to be with the Lord. Now, our dead bodies, they might be cremated, they might be buried in the ground, but our experience of our deaths is such that when the bell tolls, we will arise, whether we're buried or cremated or something in between. There's no waiting room in the kingdom of heaven with an endless supply of People magazines from the 1990s. We don't pull off a tab and we wait for our turn like we're sitting at the DMV. Today, Jesus says, today, you will be with me. Robert Farrar Capon tells this wonderful story about how for years he lived uh, in a place called Shelter Island in New York. And every, every Friday he would hear the bell to the firehouse ring at 5 minutes to 5, p 5 p.m. every Friday afternoon. Which was strange. For a while he thought it was just them testing the system. But they already tested it at noon every day. So why in the world would they ring the bell at the firehouse at 5 minutes to 5 every Friday afternoon? And then one day it dawned on him. Rather than risk that the festivity of the weekend would be delayed even by one minute, some gracious soul decided to proclaim the party of the weekend from the top of the firehouse five minutes ahead of schedule. That, Capon says, is heaven. It's the party of the streaming sunlight of the world's final afternoon. It's when all the deadbeats and all the success stories, all the losers who never got anything right and all the winners who finally gave up on winning simply waltz over to the judgment seat called the kingdom of heaven with nothing to show for their lives except an invitation from the host of the party that goes on forever. You see, heaven, according to scripture, is a party. It's a party that has happened, that is happening, and will happen forever and ever. And the celebration that is the party that is heaven is so good and so loud and so fun that it drowns out even the worst party poopers in the world. Which is why we should take very seriously the words that we say in the Apostles' Creed. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's why sharing the good news is really the most important thing we can ever do. Being part of a community called church means living into a reality that we have a role to play by, by helping other people experience heaven on earth rather than hell. It's why we sing songs and we pray and we listen and we get together. We have received a witness, a testimony from the Lord about the end, which frees us to live now in anticipation of the Supper of the Lamb. I had a professor in school who once said, I am not concerned about where I will be when I die. What I'm far more concerned with is if God gives me another day, what am I going to do with it? We can do all sorts of wild and wonderful things now because for us, the end doesn't have an end. Heaven goes on. So what 
happens in the end is, of course, the question for us. But the question of who is just as important. Lots and lots of people, even Christians, think that only good people make it into heaven. That at the end of your days, as long as you have enough ticks in the good column rather than the bad column, then St. Peter will, in fact, let you in. But as I've said on numerous occasions in which I believe deep in the marrow of my bones, it's important for us to remember that heaven is filled entirely and only with forgiven sinners. You don't go to hell for being bad or for not being good enough. You go to heaven by being bad and accepting your forgiveness. Now, does that mean that we have permission to be bad right now? If you want, you can stick your hand into a meat grinder all you want. But the only thing it will accomplish is make your life one hell of a mess. God doesn't run the universe as a system of reward or punishment. God has consigned all to disobedience that God might be merciful to all, St. Paul tells us. Which means that in the ends, our ends aren't up to us. That's reason enough to rejoice because it frees us to actually, truly live here and now, not just for ourselves, but maybe even for other people. Jesus doesn't come to reform the reformable or teach the teachable or fix the fixable. Jesus came to raise the dead. That's not just great news. That's good news. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen.